Welcome back, everybody, to Beyond the Shadows. I'm author and ghost historian Mike Ricksecker. We have a fantastic show coming up for you tonight. Strange Phenomena in Space. Yeah, we're kind of piggybacking off of the uh, Supernatural Space Phenomena video that was put out last night on the Haunted Road Media YouTube channel. So we're going to be talking about some of those topics and some others this evening. And I'm seeing down in the chat here that Sharon Lane has uh, some wine and dark chocolate. And that's right up my alley. Pass some over here, please. I could really use some right now. Uh, but this episode of Beyond the Shadows is brought to you by Haunted Road Roast. It helps you hunt ghosts. That's our coffee. Yeah, Deadly Grounds is actually the roaster on that. They do a fantastic job. Haunted Road Roast is our own roast of course it's actually a dark vienna roast and uh, it plays kind of to the medium you can find that out at our website hunterroadmedia.com uh it's great stuff so all right so let's go ahead we have a lot to cover this evening on this show um like i said it's not just the topics i covered last night on that video on the hunter road media youtube channel but you can go ahead and uh, check out the video if you have not yet uh it is uh, what I call it, supernatural phenomena in space, because, you know, supernatural activity, paranormal activity, what have you, does not just happen here on Earth. I talk a lot about the connected universe, everything's connected, this phenomena does happen elsewhere, not just on Earth, although there are many reasons as to why it does happen on Earth, but there are many reasons as to why it happens out in space as well. So, some of the things that I want to get into, before I get into those topics, from last night's video um some news that's actually relevant today and you know there's sam baltrus's books which uh we had a uh, wonderful time with him on edge of the rabbit hole this evening so please check out his books as well uh did you happen to see this stuff about venus uh the news about venus is they may have actually found some evidence of life and what's uh, pretty interesting about this is that it's because of a type of gas that they have found uh, within the atmosphere on Venus. Some of these different, you know, uh, tests that they've been running. Uh, it's, these are similar similar microbes uh, on Earth as they are now detecting in Venus's atmosphere. So. Not saying specifically that there is alien life on Venus. Venus is an extremely, extremely harsh climate to begin with. And where this would have to be in Venus's atmosphere is at a very high altitude. That could give way to these different microbes. We're, ta we're talking about, I mean, the way that a couple of the articles described it, it would basically be like a really kind of smelly type of bacteria and it's like okay <laughs> so uh, it would be a type of uh, life form I suppose so you know very small celled organisms but still that's a lot more than what we've seen on other planets within our solar system so there may actually be some other kinds of life within our solar system that we didn't previously know so this is actually pretty significant not necessarily supernatural strange for sure because we don't know exactly what it is and this is like really just you know breaking news as of the last few days uh extremely interesting stuff so what exactly is there on venus now is another mystery and you know we keep talking about mars 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 but now venus which is actually closer to us than mars uh may actually have something going on there as well so um, and for those that watch uh, The Expanse, is it the proto-molecule? <laughs> Maybe it is. Probably not, though. All right, so other interesting news here that has uh, recently come to light. It's kind of piggybacking off of some, uh, some older news, but... Um, take it back here and i know those that are listening to the podcast later uh will not be able to see these images like that was the uh image of venus this is the uh the u.s navy photo of the ufo in 2004 and what i thought was kind of crazy about this recently i mean this is this is kind of old news um you know it was just recently here that you know the Navy came forth here and said, okay, you know, 
and they declassified and said, yeah, this was a, this was a UFO sighting is that, um, some of the people associated this, like the, the fighter pilot that, uh, tracked this down was actually saying that this craft being in our airspace was an act of war. And, you know, I just kind of looked at that, just kind of baffled. I mean, act of war. So just because the thing entered our airspace um, and is kind of looking around, we're supposed to take that as an act of war. And this actually got debated a little bit on on my Facebook page because uh, I threw the article up there and I'm like, like, seriously, act of war. But, um, you know, some of the comments that were thrown back were like, well, yeah, you know, it breaks these different, you know, treaties and, you know, they're crossing our borders and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it's just like, no, wait, wait a minute. Let's, let's turn it around the other way. Let's say we send a probe to another planet. Is a life form on that planet automatically supposed to take our probe entering their atmosphere as an act of war? You know, and the response was, well, you know, we haven't found other life forms on, you know, planets in our solar system. It's like irrelevant. Let's just assume for a second there is, or if we send a probe off in a deep space where there is a life form, you know, I can't, I'm sorry, I can't accept that the moment we break their atmosphere that that's an act of war just because we're sending a probe. You know, we don't know, we don't know the reason why this UFO was there. Apparently they jammed. Uh, communications and what have you but it's like you know when we send you know like ancient times you send a scout to kind of look around you know scout ahead or whatever and kind of look around you know is that really an act of war no um you know a tourist goes somewhere and visits and looks around that's not an act of war so i just find it really bizarre that we have to these people are automatically assuming that just because it broke into our atmosphere and it's flying around and it jammed our communications that we have to take this as an act of war. You know, why immediately? UFO, act of war? No, it's just like if we were to send a probe somewhere, it's just general, we would just be generally curious. You know, let's check out this planet. You know, there's nothing really to suggest that they weren't doing anything otherwise than just checking out the planet. We have no idea. There wasn't any sign of aggression. You know, just because they were jamming the frequencies, that's not a sign of aggression. That's just protecting themselves. Now, if they were to fire some some shots at the jet fighter, then that would be an act of war. But they didn't do that. They just flew around and then disappeared. So... The other one, these are kind of news items that have come up here. And this next one isn't, um, doesn't really have to do with space. Those other two were Venus and then this UFO. This other one I wanted to throw up there because it was just in the news today. And this is this Gettysburg ghost sighting. I don't know how many of you may have actually seen this video. And... If you watch it, it looks like these translucent things are, you know, kind of hopping around near the road. It's really hard to see in this still that I took of it. So I kind of circled it. And so you can kind of see like a blur in the middle of it. It's really hard to see. Um, I think it's a hoax. And I'll tell you why. Look at the very bottom. You see that black dot? It's a shadow. or at least it looks like a shadow. It basically, if you watch it as it's running, you'll see that black dot underneath it as it's running around. So is it a shadow or is it, you know, possibly something that helped create this, you know, image on the screen? Um, It certainly isn't something ghostly if that shadow is sitting there following around on the ground like that so i believe that this one and it it hit a lot of the different news sites today but um, i believe this one was a hoax Uh, b3 aerospace saying cgi um, 
and it looks like they're out there at night as well, which um, my recollection from the many times I've visited Gettysburg, you're not supposed to be driving around out there after dusk anyways. So, Victoria, shadow person's shadow? Um, yeah, probably not. <laughs> you know, but go ahead, check out the clip. Uh, whenever you get a chance, let me know what you think. But you see the little translucent things kind of bouncing around a little bit. And like I said, it's got the dot under there as if it's a shadow, which I, I think that whoever created this didn't realize it was casting that little shadow or whatever the little dot is supposed to be. And what's interesting is, of course, the person ends up stopping and getting out. All you hear is like they're they're monkeying with the camera on the dash. Like you hear this, it's kind of like squishing around or rubbing against something rubber or plastic or whatever you hear all that and you never hear, hear the guy say or you know whoever it is say oh my god what's that or whoa you know i just saw something there's no exclamation whatsoever he gets the car you know stops the car and gets out yeah i don't buy it so um yeah, Christian, nope, they frown against that. Been there, yeah, in regards to um, being out there after dusk. Uh, yeah, it beat through airspace when we were there, not allowed at night. Security guards, yeah, you're, you're not allowed out there at night. So, and she's saying it's all more during the daytime. Yeah, you can see things during the daytime. People have seen, you know, uh, what they thought were reenactments of the Civil War and because they'd see like a formation of, the soldiers marching off somewhere and then they go, you know, back to like the visitor center and say, Hey, you know, you guys had a great reenactment out there today. You know, they performed really well or they looked great or whatever it is. And come to find out there was no reenactment that day. So, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm calling hoax on that little clip. And when they were out there, they were breaking the rules anyway. So, all right, let's get into some of this uh, other stuff with a strange space phenomenon that was covered a little bit on the Haunted Road Media YouTube video last night. We'll cover some of that stuff uh, tonight. Go ahead, throw some questions down in there or comments or what have you on strange supernatural space phenomenon. There's some interesting stuff out there in the universe for sure. And uh, toward the end, I'm going to get to... Uh, some topics that were brought up on the Mike Ricksecker Facebook group that I'm bringing in here because I kind of asked that question, you know, what's your favorite, you know, mystery out there in the cosmos and the universe? And we'll get to some of those topics at the end. Like I said, we're, we're covering a lot of different things this evening. Those were, that was three of them right there in the first, I guess, 10 minutes of the show. So yeah, EEQQ, lots going on up there. All right. So, uh, we're going to get to the the Space Angels. This is Salyut 7. Back in 1984, uh, the Russian cosmonauts up there, was it day 154, I believe it was, uh, outside the space station, there was suddenly this orange light that just grew out of nowhere. Uh, very unusual, very strange. They're looking out the windows and the light not only came in through the windows, but actually passed into the space station as well. Sharon Lane, Russian scene, Angels was amazing. Yes, really, really interesting. And when they ended up looking out the windows and it was blinding them at one point, you know, lights coming in, not through just the windows, the walls, the lights blinding them. When they finally got their eyes adjusted and they could see and look out, they saw these very tall beings. They said they had wings, halos, so they basically called them uh, the space angels or angels in space. You know, it's basically whatever they were seeing, this is what they could relate it to. And so uh, this went on for several, several minutes. And then subsided and, and went away. Well, uh, a few days later, they had a, another, uh, some others joined them, three more cosmonauts joined them from uh, another uh, ship. And the phenomena happened again. Orange light came up. It was blinding them. Now we had six cosmonauts that were all seeing this. And 
you know, again, the, the new cosmonauts that were there are looking out and they're saying these things are huge. I said they're at least as big as an airliner. You know, so absolutely huge, tall beings that were very, very bright. And again, all they could relate it to were angels because that's the way they look to them. Whether they're angels or not, we have no idea. Um, were they extraterrestrials? We don't know. Now, the skeptics will say, well, these people had been up in space a long time. I already mentioned, you know, they'd been up there, you know, 154 days. Then the others come along several days later, so now they're up there even longer. And so they're saying, well, they're hallucinating. Well, you had three hallucinated, supposedly, at first. And then several days later, three more come along. And now all six are hallucinating the same thing. So they're all having the same hallucination, supposedly. I find that a little hard to believe. What they saw, I could not tell you. I have no idea. Um, was it extraterrestrial in nature? Was it interdimensional? I mean, maybe. It, it could have been both. You know, we talk, we've talked before about how uh, many of these extraterrestrials could very well be coming to us from another dimension, you know, across the universe, from another dimension, entering our uh, space and time and appearing to us in different ways. This could be one of those ways, and they could be, you know, peering in on us. You know, again, these things not doing anything harmful. They're just there, maybe observing, maybe watching. That seems to be what a lot of these entities turn out to be is something watching and observing, you know, the watchers, you know, the shining ones. You know, we could even get into that. You know, were these like the shining ones? We don't know. So definitely, uh, you know, very, very interesting uh, phenomenon out here. Alina, I'm Russian. I've never seen angels. Nice. <laughs> Very cute. Um, yeah, beat their airspace. They, quote unquote, they said uh, there were hallucinations from uh, too much uh, oxygen. Yeah, and again, I kind of have I kind of have an issue with that because you would have all six having the exact same hallucination. Again, just three at first. And those three have that hallucination, the same exact type of hallucination, for about 10 minutes, and it goes away. And then you have three more join them days later, so the hallucination doesn't happen again until these other join, join them. And then now all six are suddenly having the same hallucination again for several minutes. It just seems a little bizarre to me that they all happen to see the same thing, and it becomes now all six like that. I just... I don't buy it. I just don't. So it was something. I can't tell you exactly what it was, though. Sharon Lane, coming from another dimension, they can probably project whatever image they want. Possibly. Um, of course, this gets into speculation, because I've thrown out there before that um, I think with some of these things, when they access us from another dimension, they think that they might be cloaking themselves so that we can't see them but because they may not understand our physiology, that that cloaking doesn't come off as complete invisibility and comes off as different ways. Like um, I've talked about that with shadow people. That could be why you know, some of these shadow people appear as shadow standing in the corner. They could be uh, traveling from another dimension. It could even be the extraterrestrials. Uh, coming down here, cloaking themselves, and they come off as a shadow to us because they're not completely cloaked to our eyes if they don't completely understand our physiology. Or we've heard some reports about quote-unquote shimmer people where something's kind of, you know, maybe it's standing in the corner, edge of the bed, whatever, in the middle of a room, and you kind of see that heat signature and, you know, that shimmer out of nowhere for no particular reason. And it's in the shape of a human being. Again, it could be a similar type of thing where they're trying to cloak themselves and it's almost perfect, but it's a type of a shimmer. So is that what happened here? Or seems a little, I, I will say that, that would seem a little weird that, you know, if these 
quote unquote angels were trying to cloak themselves and they came off these huge, bright, shining things. I don't necessarily think they were trying to cloak themselves, but um, this is the way they appeared in our dimension, our space and time. I want I want to say our world, but you know, they were above the world. <laughs> they were orbiting Earth. So um Victoria Monday, what if the angels were aliens who could travel through space sans ship and the wings were really some sort of flames that actually were some sort of propulsion or directional beam? It could very well be. It's kind of what I was um talking about with, you know, they could be traveling uh interdimensionally from another place in the universe and this could be their method sure it could be their method of transportation and you know with those cosmonauts they may not be understanding what exactly they're looking at and it could be so bright that they can't really see what exactly it is that they're looking at anyway and the only thing in our minds that we could relate it to is i, I think i'm looking at an angel you know it kind of goes back to you know, even the ancients, when they encountered a culture with, you know, you know, such high technology, uh, higher technology than their own, they could not grasp and relate what exactly it was that they were looking at. And so they kind of created in their own terminology with what they had to describe what they were looking at. I mean, the ancient alien theorists get a lot of that, that, you know, these, you know, different extraterrestrials are coming down and the uh, the ancient cultures couldn't relate and this is what they uh, you know this is what they ended up describing maybe maybe not but um, you know when you see such disparate uh, cultures coming together with when one is such a higher technology than the other the lower uh, the lower culture uh, or the culture that has a lower technology you know can't quite relate exactly to what they are seeing and so they describe it in other terms and that could be what was going on with these russian cosmonauts they just what they were looking at they couldn't understand completely and they so they just related to angels and we just don't know what exactly they were looking at so um flames or the light being some sort of propulsional or directional beam perhaps very well could be um, and yeah, like you're saying, you, uh, Victoria, again, you can only define what you're seeing by your frame of reference, making your perception your reality. That's a much better way of saying it than what I was bumbling around with. So there we go. Okay. So that was one of the interesting stories from all that. Um, another one. Okay. The Big Ear Radio Telescope. This was at Ohio State University. Uh, it's no longer there, so it's, it has since been dismantled. But uh, what's interesting about this, so this was part of the SETI project, which you know basically scans the, uh, the universe looking for extraterrestrial life. And with this radio telescope, basically they're, they're scanning the universe for, for radio waves. And generally, they don't get a whole lot. You know, they're, they're basically hearing a whole lot of nothing out of the universe. I mean, there's, you know, kind of, you know, the background noise of, of the universe. So, um, you know, the different stars and planets and all that stuff give off different radio waves. And uh, I was sent, <laughs> I was sent some of that uh, here just recently. QG, thank you very much. Um and so it's interesting to listen to, but with the with this incident here, they call it the wow signal. And basically, what it was was just out of nowhere was this strange signal that came from deep space, lasted for seventy two seconds, and they were never able to explain it. And the astronomer at the time put wow on the side of that, uh, circled it. And so it became known as the wow signal. Or well, recently here, a couple of years ago, there was uh, an astronomer in Florida who basically tried to debunk that and say, well, you know, it was, it was a couple of comets. And this is met with great debate as well because there's others that have come along and said, well, yeah, except it wasn't exactly the same and you're, you're, comets were making you know some intermittent signals where this was just like a one-time blast and done 
Um, and so the data didn't exactly line up properly. So a lot of people that jumped on the whole comment idea like, oh yeah, that's a great logical excuse. Sounds great. We'll take that. But there are plenty of others. And we're not talking, you know, the you know people that are uh, extraterrestrial fanatics or whatever. We're talking about, you know, just astronomers that are saying, no, it just, it doesn't line up. So this is still a great debate within the astronomical community of whether, you know, of what this wow signal is. You know, like I said, some have jumped on the, the comet bandwagon while others are saying, nope, this, this is still unexplained to us. We're not necessarily saying it's extraterrestrial, but we just don't know what it is. And we don't believe it was the comet idea. So that one's still out there, an unidentified radio signal from space. Um, <laughs> Victoria, did they bump the wow signal down to a jinky signal? Cute. Um, yeah, maybe they did. <laughs> Still says wow in the paper, though. So, um, <laughs> Papa Bear, a yoinks signal. <laughs> uh, now we're getting to Scooby Doo. That's awesome. So, so that one's still out there. It's kind of interesting. We don't know what it was. Who knows? Maybe it was the space angels letting us know they were coming. And years later, they came. Because <laughs> time works differently out there in space, right? All right. So, we also talked about in that video, uh, Achille and Giovanni Judica Cordelia. Now, these guys are kind of interesting. These were... Um, these were Italian radio enthusiasts. And basically what they were doing was they were monitoring uh, transmissions coming from space, primarily in relation to the different missions going up into orbit. So um, they monitored a lot of the Russian activity. So... Uh, when Sputnik 1 and 2 were sent up, Explorer 1, they monitored all those. Uh, there were other Russian missions that uh, that they monitored. Now, there's one that they caught that was an SOS signal. And what was interesting about that particular SOS signal was that it was moving away from Earth. So what they believe it was was that and this was what was significant about it was this was before um, anybody had breached the stratosphere. Uh, shortly thereafter, uh, it was. But with this one, what the brothers believe is that because this would have been an involved death um, and they didn't want to admit that this happened, is that they got somebody up there, but they weren't able to orbit. They kept going and going and going. And the, uh, the astronaut or guest cosmonaut that was in that capsule that got shot up was sending out the SOS signal. And like I said, it was getting further and further away from Earth. Of course, the Russian government denies this. There's also the... Um, this one is extremely creepy. And this is the lost female cosmonaut. This was a transmission that they caught. And I include a minute of it, a little over a minute of it, in the video I posted last night in the Haunted Road Media YouTube channel. For the uh, Patreon patrons, you guys got the entire clip on the, the Patreon site. So whole thing's there, and it's like two and a half minutes long. But I include a minute of it in uh, last night's video on Hunter Road Media. I'll give you a snippet here. Basically, what's going on with this woman, so this would be a female cosmonaut, is she's losing oxygen. Her oxygen levels are depleting, and they're eventually is a fire on the spacecraft. She keeps talking about being hot, being hot, being hot, and eventually she sees a flame. And 
says that she's going to re-enter, so like re-enter uh, the atmosphere. And she keeps wondering, you know, she'll ask the question, isn't this dangerous? And asks if she's about to crash. I'm not going to play the whole clip. Like I said, it's about a minute long. I'll play you a little bit. It's pretty creepy. And I'll give you a little uh, taste of it here. That was a little. That was a little snippet there, and apparently I didn't have it sized right, so you guys didn't see the the captions underneath. Sorry, in the podcast you're not going to see the captions anyway. Um, so, but on the Hunter Road Media YouTube channel, you can get that. Like I said, it's about a, I think it's a minute and twelve seconds that I have in that video, the uh, supernatural space phenomena, and then those on the Patreon page, you guys got the whole thing. So. Um, and thank you, QG, for uh, putting the link there. So, all right. So, and we are about halfway through the show. So I do want to throw out there that uh, if you're listening to this on KGRARadio.com, we do appreciate you listening to us on KGRA Radio. So as for those listening to the podcast version uh, later on this week, actually uh, Saturday nights at midnight, Beyond the Shadows, KGRARadio.com. Edge of the Rabbit Hole, by the way, gets played uh, Friday nights on KGRARadio.com, also at midnight. And so, yeah, QG has the links there to uh, both the Patreon page and the uh, Supernatural Phenomena in Space video. So thank you for doing that. Uh, Yeah, Nick Moulet definitely sounded unsettling. Yeah, it's extremely creepy. Um, I first heard that clip. It was probably like the... Oh, I think I said mid to late '90s when uh, when I did the the Patreon intro, uh, but I was I think it was more specifically late '90s because I was yeah because I was no longer in the Air Force at the time. It was um, just after actually. And when I first heard that, it was on some you know back end website out in the middle of the I don't know internet somewhere. It was kind of like the dark days of the internet, right? And I came across that and I was like whoa because <laughs> it was just so creepy and just to think of um you know what she would have been going through uh during that and you know for a long time in the back of my mind I've, I've kind of retained you know one of these days I'm going to write a fiction novel based on that um it'd be pretty interesting so of course again Russian uh government denies all that uh, there are many skeptics who believe that it was, you know, a hoax that they were just putting everybody on. And these brothers did these, um, you know, they did their their research and capturing these transmissions for, you know, for a long time. I mean, yeah, uh, what at least a decade. And to this day, they still, you know, maintain that one of the brothers has already passed away, so he, you know, maintained his stance to to his grave, and the other is in his 80s and still says, "Yeah, this was absolutely legit. This is what we picked up. This is what we captured." So, you know, they're 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 maintaining this is all true. Now, of course, you know, you know what what government is going to admit when back in the day when you could really hide it. You know who's going to admit, you know, these failures like that. Um, you know, there are other ones that they picked up where, um, you know, it was uh, you know they caught just breathing. Uh, you know that that came across the transmissions. There were others when they sent animals up into uh, the stratosphere. They caught some of those um, audio clips. It was um, you know really kind of crazy stuff. So Adam Tillery, coming out of lurker mode to ask a question. All right. Okay. What if aliens are just residual ghosts of evolved humans from the future? Could be, right? Well, you know, who's who's not to say that the aliens, you know, I say the aliens, 
aren't just us. Um, you know, I think some of them, you know, probably are that, um, oh, I think that there are other races out there in the universe that are related to us that we all, that we, no, I'm not going to say every alien life form, um, is directly related to us, but I think that there are other uh, races out there in the universe that had the same initial origins as us. Now, I, of course, believe, you know, we're all connected. I talk about the connected universe, so, you know, spiritually, we're all connected somehow. Um, as far as residual ghosts have evolved humans from the future, well, if time is all concurrent, yeah, then sure, you know, why not? They'd be from the future at the same time as the present, at the same time as the past. We could get into all that, um, you know, the stack time theory. It, Yeah, Adam, it's, it's certainly possible. Um, I wouldn't even necessarily call them residual. They could even be intelligent haunts from the future. Um, Victoria, Mike, I heard that the Challenger crew didn't die in the initial explosion and actually asphyxiated. That's that one's tough to talk about. How many how many of you remember like being in school and watching that on TV when it happened? Um I don't know. I mean there are a lot of um you know, there are a lot of crazy stories that have come out of these different tragedies and disasters like that. Um, I would say that Columbia, you know, that's probably uh, certainly true of Columbia, that they probably asphyxiated first um, before the entire uh, shuttle broke apart. As far as Challenger, it's probably really hard to know because, you know, it's going up and then boom. So did they start to asphyxiate? For a moment before that happened, mm, it's hard to know. It's hard to know, but there's all kinds of there's all kinds of stories and rumors, of course. Um, Betty Lingy, my uncle worked for NASA and was one of the people who had to talk to the families after so hard for them. Yeah, um, yeah, I could imagine. B three airspace was working for NASA at the time. Wow. Okay. And yeah, that was 1986, January 1986. Um, I was in, I was in sixth grade when that happened. So, yep, I recall. Uh, and uh, Sharon Lane, Columbia was extremely difficult for so many people. Yep, we, um, I was working for uh, Howard County Library at the time at the Columbia branch. And we actually had a uh, plaque from... Uh, the first uh, Columbia mission, STS-1. Heck, I remember when STS-1 first went up. I remember watching that one on TV, too. I was little. Um, but we had that in the branch. And so um, when that tragedy happened with with the Columbia shuttle, uh, they held a little ceremony there with that with that plaque since we had that there. Um, yeah, that was that was really sad, too. Um, so it looks like a lot of you had uh, some connections there. So, and Candy Orton, uh, her comment was for the Challenger. Left launch pad 73 seconds later. Boom, yeah. Well, and you know, I was, for Challenger, I was, um, you know, a student in Massachusetts at the time. Crystal McAuliffe was, you know, a school teacher from a, a school in Massachusetts. And so that was a big deal for, you know, all the teachers there in the state. And so, yeah, when that happened, it was, everybody was just devastated. So, um, Tom McNicholas still has the original Columbia stamps. That's awesome. Yeah. So, um, Sharon Lane, Columbia debris field was horrific. Yeah, it was just so widespread. It was, it was it was everywhere. It was all over. Um, 
All right, let's move on to because <laughs> that was uh, whew, that's such a morbid topic. So let's move on here a little bit and let's get to okay. So some of the comments from the um, the Facebook group. So I was asking, you know, what people want to. Uh, you know, what their favorite kind of mysteries of the universe are. And so I had this photo up here, um, the wormhole. So wormholes, portals, and Keith Bailey says portals really interest me. Uh, Christopher Stanton, alternative realities, portals, other dimensions. Um, yeah, so that's a really interesting uh, mystery of space and something that we talk about in other facets here on this show on the Hunter Road Media channel within my writing I talked about it on the Alaska Triangle you know the idea of you know portals vortices on earth we talk about that a lot with the telluric currents uh, within the earth the energy grid the earth's energy grid and how those uh vortices welling up from the earth's magnetic core will create those portals well you have this out in space as well and so you know a lot of people talk about i showed the photo there of of the wormholes so with the wormhole that would essentially be the theory that if you could spin space and time and basically you know poke a hole through there that you'd be able to uh, travel from one point in the universe to another using that. The trick, of course, is how do you bend space and time? We haven't figured that out yet ourselves, but uh, it is believed that other life forms around the universe may have already figured this out and are traveling here through these means, these different wormholes, portals, and what have you. And, of course, a lot of skeptics kind of, you know, call hogwash to that. But, hey, you know, many of these other life forms out there have had a head start on us. You know, the Earth is only four and a half billion years old. The universe is almost 14 billion years old. So you think that, well, they've got like, what, nine, a nine billion year head start on us? They could figure out a lot of technology in that time. You know, if it's one of the older, um, if it's one of the older civilizations, you know, the, uh, you just give the age of our solar system here. This may not even be our original solar system here. We could very likely be spawned off from another solar system that we've already had to go around with all of this matter here. And that solar system was destroyed because solar systems do eventually become destroyed. <laughs> and it ended up reforming to this one. And it's kind of this recurring cycle again and again. But specifically when it comes to okay, portals, other dimensions, al alternative realities, these things are all into play. And definitely out there in space, we're experiencing them here on Earth. We are experiencing these, you know, many of these different entities that are coming into our world through these means. You had ancient cultures that were trying to tap into this energy to be able to use it. Some believe that they were actually able to harness these portals, these gateways, these stargates, and were able to travel interdimensionally. And of course, you know, over time we lost that know-how, that technology. And I think these days we're starting to open our minds again to recapture that knowledge, to be able to utilize these things again. So if that Stargate is here on Earth, that portal, that wormhole, whatever you want to call it, we're able to reopen that, then we're able to go to elsewhere in the universe. So... Definitely interesting stuff. So we'll be getting into more of that as we continue on with the connected universe for sure. So this one here, Andrew Helton, 
Um, in his comment on that thread, he says uh, he wanted to know more about what is nothing. Based on the Big Bang Theory, everything was created in a central point 13.7 billion years ago. I said nearly 14 billion years, and is expanding outward. With light being the fastest traveling particle that we know of, our entire universe should only be about 13.7 billion light years away, making us encompassed in a large globe of light. So what is beyond that light? What are we expanding into? What is nothing? That is a great question. Of course, this is like one of those massive questions of the universe, right? You know, basically, what is the universe? Um, well, this is kind of how, you know, I try to think this, like the whole, what are we expanding into? I mean, it's kind of easy to say, well, we're expanding into space. Well, okay. What does that mean? As a computer programmer, um, I've done simulation programming. That's my degree is simulation programming. When you're running a simulation like that and I don't mean to simplify and put into like a game space because I'm not saying like this is the matrix or we're all in a game you know or whatever but to think of it in those terms your your space is basically confined to whatever the limits of the system are you know so you know, because if, if you load up your system with too much, then you won't be able to run the program and the whole thing will just fail and lock up. Kind of like, you know, my computer was doing earlier today and, you know, Sam's glitches and stuff like that. Well, this game space that we're in, we believe, is infinite. So the power behind this is just endless. It keeps going and going and going, or at least we have no concept of how huge it is it's that massive and i'm not saying it's a computer or we're in a computer simulation i do believe that we are in a type of simulated universe but i don't think it's like powered by machines and computers i don't think we're like in the matrix like the movies or whatever i think that if we are in such a thing it's more like organic or biological and not computer driven. Basically, we we have come up with that idea because you know, we're talking about the context of of things earlier and what you know cultures could relate to. Well, right now this is what our culture can relate to is computers. And so that's what a lot of people have attributed to, but I don't think it's that. But I think the concept behind it is sound. And so with with this, we have this just massively expansive area of play because the infrastructure behind it is just unfathomable. It's huge. And so it it will keep expanding and expanding and expanding. Where does that lead to? So uh, Christopher's talking about the, the Big Bang here. Boom, the Big Bang. So part of my conversation lately about the connected universe and I'm getting more into this when it comes to the book that I'm in the middle of writing and um, coursework that I'm putting together things like that Um, the oscillatory universe and basically what this is start with the big bang well eventually the universe ends what happens when the universe ends you know, a lot of people are just like, well, it just fizzles out and then it's gone, right? Well, there's also the idea if there's a big bang, then there's a big crunch. And basically the idea here is that the universe kind of comes back together and explodes again into another big bang. So it's like this infinite idea that, okay, what was before the big bang was the universe. It was It's the same universe, but... It was just formed differently, and after it had its run, it basically came together, all that matter, boom, and exploded again into another Big Bang. And so around and around and around we go. So they call that the oscillatory universe. It has its detractors, just like every theory does. But there is an interesting 
study that um, some information was released about here a couple months ago. And that was the Anita project down in Antarctica, this thing. And what they discovered were basically neutrinos running in the opposite direction of the, of the way they should have been. Like, okay, what does this matter? Well, from their findings of, again, possible, we don't know for sure, but it had the hallmark of there being a parallel universe running the opposite direction of our current universe. So I know it's kind of strange and unusual, but if you have, okay, take this big circle and you have, I'm going to get a little weird here because right now I have a drawing of it in there, but I don't have it digital yet. It's, it's stuff that I'm working on. So if you have the big bang, and one universe going in one direction, one universe going the other, par parallel to each other, but one's running backwards, one's running forwards. They eventually come again to boom, create another big bang, and you have this whole circle going around and around and around. So it's not that we're expanding into nothing. We are expanding into our own recycling of the universe. Basically, an endless loop again and again and again what was before the universe was the universe what's after the universe is the universe the Hagman says love when mike gets a little weird <laughs> uh thank you we had some other questions come in and where'd they go all right so um betty lingy do you think, Mike, we may have figured out in our human history how to travel to outer space then some kind of someone destroyed the knowledge? Um, so here's what I think. So I think there were ancient civilizations that had a kind of quote-unquote high technology. And we lost that knowledge because of global cataclysm, what you know the flood i mean we we know the deluge happened we know the flood happened um and a lot of that knowledge was lost and we've we've seen it you know you look at the pyramids uh you look at a lot of these you know, different structures in ancient times that could not we we can't even do it today you know or we're just coming into the know-how and the technology and the strength to be able to do it today um you know, the, the Trellathon at Baalbek, we still can't do, though. Um, you know, how did, how did they move these things? We have no freaking idea. They had some sort of knowledge or technology to be able to do that, that we just don't have. That doesn't mean they had cell phones and computers. It doesn't even mean that they had rocket ships. But it means that they had some sort of high technology to be able to do this, and that knowledge was lost. So I think what happens is civilization starts increasing, increasing in population, technology, etc. Then something happens, global cataclysm, um, disease, whatever, boom. You know, population drops. People that knew how to do things are gone. Um... You know, the only people that are that are left are the people that know how to survive. Um, you know, right now, if, you know, an EMP was to take out all of our technology right now, you know, we lost, um, we lost our computers, we lost our, you know, we lost our cars, we lost our refrigerators, you know, all that stuff. Um, a lot of people would die because, uh extremely large part of our uh, population does not know how to just hunt, forage, whatever. If somebody might go out into the woods and try to forage and eat something poisonous and die because they just don't know. Um, 
know, it would end up being the people that know how to do those things that would survive. But the people that knew how to do the higher technology jobs, like how to build a computer or cell phone or, um, you know, run the electric plant or whatever, a lot of those people would die off because they don't know how to just go out into the woods and survive. And so their knowledge would be lost. And so civilization would have to build back up. So that's, I think, what happened. Civilization would come up, something would happen, we'd lose a lot of people, they'd have to try to rebuild. Well, a lot of the knowledge from that previous civilization would have been lost because the people that survived didn't know how to do all of those things, just some of it, and they had to build back up. And so as technology began to increase again, it was different technology that they were able to develop because they took a different path this time. And I think we keep going up and down, up and down. We're reaching a point at the top. The, the pendulum you know, swings, right? We're up at the top right now. And at some point soon, we're going to be coming crashing back down. Um, you know, could be a disease. Um, could be, a, I mean, it could be a global cataclysm. It could be the overpopulation issue. Um, I've said this before, we do need to figure out a way to get off the planet. Because um, there's only so much that we can handle here. And it will become a major issue. And, you know, even if it didn't, at some point we have to anyway, because our sun will eventually engulf the planet and destroy earth it's going to happen billions of years from now but it will happen and it's something we will have to deal with so um going out to other worlds and colonizing them and increasing our knowledge of space is a must okay we cannot perpetually stay here on earth there is no forever here on earth it will die sorry um, Victoria Monday, it's like when Mark Fiorentino said they recently discovered that the ether is real, but those of us doing metaphysical stuff have always known that from that the earth ether is real. Maybe lost info. Yeah, it's exactly it. It's even like with the ancient sites of power, you know, how we're, you know, kind of rediscovering that, um, that those worked, <laughs> you know, um, you know, the, uh, you know, the energy grid lines and how, um, those points, you know, had that energy that could be tapped into and used and utilized. And, um, yeah, it's funny how, you know, some scientists uh, come along and say, oh, we're discovering that this is a thing. And it's like, yeah, we've, dude, we've known that. Um, if you've been listening to all the people that you say are crazy, then you would have known this a long time ago. But, you know, you need to go through your scientific studies or whatever. It's like, I think some people are too smart for their own good sometimes. So, um, get plenty of that. So, what are you guys saying? Nick Moulet, five to seven billion years from now, the sun will turn into a red giant, eventually engulf Mercury, Venus, and most likely Earth. So trying to get off the planet will eventually be a priority. Yes, Nick, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, when we become a... In, it, it will engulf Earth. Uh, as a red giant, it will get to the point of engulfing Earth. And then eventually, you know, the star will die, become a brown dwarf. Um, I mean, there's a whole cycle that it goes through. And eventually, out of the whole thing, <clears throat> a new solar system will be born at some point. Um, it will be long since gone by then. 